Um, so she was working, you know, 13 hour shifts, 13 hour days, 14, you know, sometimes 15 hour days, wow. no overtime pay. Um, you know, sometimes just getting paid by, by the bucket or by the barrel of what, you know, of how much like fruit she was picking and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, my earliest memories are waking up like at three in the four in the morning to get dropped off at a babysitter. And I wouldn't get picked up until later that day, like pretty like late in the, in the day, in the evening. And so I was missing my mom a lot. And I just mm-hmm. see her get home, like smelling like onions, being like super dirty. And she never complained. Like she just did the work. She provided for me. I have an older brother, an older sister, and a younger brother. Mm-hmm. So she provided for all of us by herself. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Untapped Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Navon, and today we're going to be interviewing my co-host, Max Prado. Here we are. This is my first time ever being interviewed. <laughs> I, was, I just realized that. Like, I've done your part. I've interviewed tons of people for the podcast but i've never been interviewed so you now well now you're in the uh, the guest seat so now you know how it feels yeah, huh? it's kind of weird it's, it, it is weird it is yeah. weird i want to say like the stereotypical things people say i'm like thank you for having me <laughs> i'm really excited to be here thank you for being here bro damn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no man i'm 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 was really excited actually yeah. for this episode because yeah. um Obviously, you're one of the hosts, and you started the Untapped Potential series. So, um, the the one thing that a lot of people don't know is like kind of your background, your story. And I wanted uh, I wanted it to come through uh, for this episode. And so, I think this is a Do great it. opportunity for us to just kind of deep or dive into uh, Max Prado and learn a little bit more about your history and where yeah. you come from, and and you know, really who you are, what what you do. Who is this guy? Who, who is, is this guy Max who just Prada? brings people in and asks them a bunch of questions? <laughs> well, uh, I want to start by saying, obviously, the way that we know each other is because we were in the same fraternity at WSU, Washington State University, and we were also roommates. Uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast, we uh, we actually used to live together. Um, and uh, But I want to take a step back and really learn more about you before school yeah, um, and where you came from, where you grew up. And I just sure. want to start there. So I think it all started in Othello, Washington, right? It actually started in Mexico. In so Mexico? I, yeah. So I was born in Uruapan, Michoacan, Mexico. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even know that. You didn't know that. <laughs> I, I yeah. So crazy. But um, yeah, so I was born in Uruapan, Michoacan, Mexico, um, 1995. So I'm 25 years old. Um, yeah, my mom uh, ended up kind of divorcing my dad and just left. Um, you know, women in Mexico traditionally have been kind of uh there, there's like very the caretakers uh, of the home yeah and, yeah. and I, I feel like even using the word caretakers of the home it kind of like romanticizes it i think yeah. women ha- in mexico even in the u.s like in hispanic culture are traditionally kind of like subordinates to their husband mm-hmm. like once you get married like you just kind of serve your husband like you right. Traditionally, you don't really work outside the home even. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the position my mom was found herself in when she divorced my dad. She said, you know what? I don't even know what to do anymore here. Like a wow. lot of places don't even hire like women. You're kind of outcasted in your family because if you're divorced. So she just said, you know what? Because I'm going to leave. Um, tell me a little bit more about your mom, though. Like uh, so she she uh, was in that situation. She yeah. left. Yeah. And, and I like to start there because I think that story is like the cornerstone of who right. I am as a person because my mom left. 
ended up settling down in Othello, Washington, small town on the east side of the state. For those people who aren't from Washington, we say the east side, but it's not like the far east side of the state. The state is divided by the Cascade Mountains, and so everything on the east side of the Cascade Mountains is considered the east side. Everything on the west side is considered the west side. So my mom ended up settling down in Othello, Washington, small town, right in the middle of the state. And it's a big agriculture community. So she was, you know, she was working in the in the fields. You yeah. know, she was like picking apples, cherries, uh, you know, uh, onions, potatoes, whether it, if it was if it wasn't directly in the fields, it was in the warehouses. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was working, you know, 13 hour shifts, 13 hour days, 14, you know, sometimes 15 hour days, wow. no overtime pay. Um, you know, sometimes just getting paid by by the bucket or by the barrel of what, you know, of how much like fruit she was picking and stuff yeah so uh my earliest memories are waking up like at three in the four in the morning to get dropped off at a babysitter and i wouldn't get picked up until later that day like pretty late in the day in the evening and so i was missing my mom a lot and i just Mm -hmm. see her get home like smelling like onions being like super dirty and she never complained like she just did the work she provided for me i have an older brother an older sister and a younger brother Mm -hmm. so she provided for all of us by herself Damn. Working like, you know, hard labor jobs. Um, yeah. And that's, that's like not easy. Minimum mm-hmm. wage. Right. You know? Right. And so, so um, to take a step back, though, to get to uh, from Urapan to Othello, Washington, yeah. I mean, that's a big move. Like, did she know anybody in Othello? Like, who, like, how did, how did she go from a small town in, in Mexico to, yeah. So up here in it to another small town. So she had like one family friend from our hometown in Mexico. So a lot of people were leaving Mexico at that time. Like there was oh. a big thing to come to the U.S. Yeah. because there was a lot of jobs in agriculture. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people were leaving Mexico. Um, Mexico is just a country with very low opportunity at that time. Right. Still today, too. Um, I'm not like an expert on it, but there's a lot of violence and, you know, like drug stuff going on out there. Right. So there's like... The, the aspect of you want to get away from the violence and like having to watch like, you know, over yourself because there's there's a war going on out there. And also just the fact that the government is pretty corrupt and there's not a lot of job opportunities, especially for a woman for in her 30s. My mom yeah. was 33 when she had 32 when she had me 33 when she ended up coming to the U.S. Wow, so man. she was pretty old. I, I mean, I'm 25. I can't imagine myself at 33 just packing up my bags and leaving to another country that where I don't know the language to go work in the hot sun, you know, mm-hmm. like if it, that's my alternative, like, you know, wh- what was my situation back home? How bad right. was my situation back home for me to want to leave to go do that? Right. You and know? just not knowing like what the, what the outcome of all that effort is. Cause I mean, it's yeah. not easy literally picking up your life with four kids, yeah. moving to a, a small town in Washington just for the opportunity. You yeah. don't even know it, what's that, what that is going to materialize later. And so yeah. that in and of itself is a big risk. Right? Yeah. And then you throw on the layer of we were undocumented when yeah. we first got here. So like we were always watching our back. Like there was ice raids all the time. My mom would tell me stories that, um, you know, uh, ice would come to like the stores on Sundays because yeah. they knew everybody was going to go buy their groceries on Sundays and just be standing there just to be an intimidating force in the community wow. to scare people. Cause they knew that Othello was majority, you know, it's an agriculture town. So it attracted a lot of, you know, undocumented immigrants to come work there. Mm-hmm. And she would tell me stories that they would actually come to the fields to where 
to the workplace and people would hide in bins. People wow. would hide under trees. Like it was crazy. Like would she, I mean, I imagine she would have to hide. Yeah, she was, she was living there. Yeah. And I grew yeah. up, um, yeah, I was growing up undocumented. I didn't even realize what that meant. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't until later that, that, you know, you grew and you went to school and you're like, wow, man, like this is actually a big problem for people. Yeah. You don't realize that until you get older in the moment. You're just like, man, like, where's my mom? You know, like, where is yeah. she? She's working so late. Like, I don't get to see her. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not until we, we mature and grow up. So, um, tell yeah. me, tell me a little bit more about like, all right. So you, uh, your mom went from Europa to Othello. She's working in the fields. Um, yep. as you grew up in Othello, I imagine like, that's like you said, there's a huge community of Latinos over yeah. there. Right. And so, um, how was like, it growing up in Othello, like, was it 95% Latino? Um, yeah. Did you have, like, culture shock when you went to the west side or to school yeah. outside of that? I mean, yeah, starting in Othello, for me, it felt normal there because, so growing up, my family is, like, literally first generation, like, what people would say, like, straight off the boat. Like, we mm-hmm. just got here, my whole family. Like, I was actually among the first wave of my family that came to the U.S., when I was like about five or six, I came when I was two, when I was about five or six, an, another part of my family came and slowly more family members started coming. Yeah. So all of us, we just speak Spanish to this day, speak Spanish um, with my, I just speak Spanish with my family. Mm-hmm. I mean, my younger cousins that are my age and stuff, we speak English. We grew up here. We went to school here. Yeah. But everybody else, we speak Spanish, especially with the older people in our family. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to school, I didn't really know English that well. So I had to learn English like pretty much from scratch or the little bit I knew was from TV. Oh, So like kindergarten and like a little bit of first grade, I was in ESL. Like they had us like listening to like little cassettes, like, uh, like book, like somebody reading a book to you. Mm -hmm. And also like, I was like in a slower reading class. It took me a little longer to learn how to read because I just didn't even know the language. I think if anything, what I felt like a little bit of confusion on when I was younger was being light skinned. Like I'm, I'm a white passing, Oh, that's right. you yeah. know, Mexican. So I, I mean, I'm a white Mexican. Like yeah. you look at me, you would think I'm white and I am white. Right. Yeah. But I just happen to be Mexican. I want to touch a little bit more about that because I think with everything that's happened, especially in the last year, um, yeah. it, racial, like racial tensions are, it just been brought to a new level. Um, and growing up, you know, I, I knew a lot. My mom is actually fair skin like you, green eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't think she's Mexican either. Yeah. Um, did you find yourself being treated differently than other uh, peers? 100%. Yeah, I think like I saw it through a unique perspective because I noticed, especially like white teachers or white people, you know, would white adults. This is speaking from like a child's perspective, right? right. White adults would probably talk to me a little differently than like some Mexican kid who looks, you know, who's a little darker skinned or has black hair, you know, yeah, would definitely be like, Oh, he's the, he's like, probably talk to him, like assume he doesn't really know English, but they would talk to me like I do. And I didn't, like I'm on the same boat as this kid next to me, but I'm like, uh, you know, I like, (laughs) I don't know. Cause I used to have a bigger accent right now. I have a little bit of an accent, but like, you know, if, if, if you saw a video of me, talking when I was like seven, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, then, you know, like yeah. I had a huge accent it's because big. I grew up my whole life speaking only Spanish. 
right? And it, you're surrounded by those people too that have like, you know, yeah. came from Mexico and have that accent too. And yeah. so, yeah. And yeah. we all have that cadence. I think to this day, I speak like a little faster. Maybe like I say words a little differently. That's just mm-hmm. because, you know, I speak two languages and I see it as a, um, you know, as a strength now. Mm-hmm. But but to get to the root of your question, you know, yeah, I did feel like I was treated a little differently and, and by my peers too, right? So like, oh wow, um, yeah. you know, growing up, it was like, oh, he's, he's a little wet, oh, he's a little white boy. And like, I feel like in the Hispanic community, at least where I grew up, like it was kind of used kind of as like an insult or like something to taunt me about. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of get mad about it a little bit. Kind of like, I felt like people were trying to make me feel less than. Yeah. But I feel like the root of it though is like, you know, the racial, um, what do you call it? The, uh, you know, yep. the racial turmoil that's going on around us. Like it sinks into the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they see that and they almost feel like this anger against like lighter skinned people or white people, especially in the Mexicans of the U S because they feel like we, we were living in fear, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, we felt like the U S government didn't want us here, but we had to be here in order to survive because we're fleeing like a war zone and lack of opportunity. And we wanted like yeah. a better life for ourselves. So I think seeing me, even though I was Mexican, but I was light skinned, they saw like the white man mm-hmm. when they saw me. So they were kind of like, they wanted to taunt me. And I felt confused because I identified with them, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't really look like them. Yeah. So they you almost, know? they, they wanted to make you feel less than because they almost felt like your skin gave you a pass and to some sort of yeah. extent. Yeah. Because people. I look like the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that. I, this is just my speculation. I'm not like. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I'm not an expert on like racial issues. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, you know, whatever. But I'm just speaking my truth, right? Like yeah. the way I'm interpreting my experience. But you know, I, I think it was interesting though. Growing up in Othello was was cool. Um, had a lot of really good friends. Um, you know, there was friends that got into bad things. There was friends that ended up doing good things. Mm-hmm. There was. You know, there was a lot of times when I was I was probably not hanging around with the best crowds. I probably wasn't doing the best things. But, you know, I think that um, having that having my mom always, you know, the the one stable force in my life has always been my mom just yeah. working hard, providing a good life for me and my siblings. And I think just seeing all the sacrifices that she made, it made me always want to stay on a good path and mm-hmm. do well for myself so I can uh, make my family proud. Yeah. And on that note, like as you were growing up, was she encouraging you to to look out out past Othello and continue to grow and mature and say like, hey, like this, this town isn't the end all be all like I want you to I want you to have a a life and a career and a job and a good education. Was she encouraging you to do that? Or did you take it upon yourself? Be like, man, like, you know, I don't want to be here in Othello. Like I want to, I want to go to the big city. I want to go to a big school. I want to do all the things that I see opportunity to do. Honestly, I think I took it upon myself and it's not that my mom didn't want to do that. I think that she did support my dreams Mm -hmm. in an indirect way, but she never like directly said like, I want you to go to college. I want you to do this. My mom, uh, I think her highest level of education was she finished middle school. Oh, wow. So she didn't even finish high school. And that's the same case for the majority. I'm all the older people in my family. That's did she have ch- uh, children at a young, like your older brother and sister? Did yeah. she? Yeah. She oh, had wow. my older sister when she was 17. She got married at 17. Wow. Yeah. And so a lot of people, you know, down, down there, even especially back in the day, like they didn't value education as much as we do now. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, once you're old enough to, you know, have kids, like that's yeah. it, man. That's, that's your life. Yeah. Conversations about college never happened in my household. Wow. Like conversations about education. Like I'd show my mom my grades and she'd be like, Oh, good job, mijo. 
but she didn't really understand what good grades were. She didn't really like, I guess she didn't really understand like the, um, how much opportunity a good education can open for you, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't blame her for that because she just never had those opportunities in her life. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think to answer your question, I did take it upon myself a lot. And I think for me, um, I have a younger brother who's Mm -hmm. about four years younger than me. And for me, I always felt that pressure to be a good role model. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to open those doors and I wanted to be a good example. And it's funny because I remember, I think it was like in second grade, one of my teachers uh, told my mom during a conference, she said, your son's a leader. Wow. Like your son at second grade In second grade. She's like, your son is going to, is, is going to be a leader in life. Like, wow. And it's crazy. Cause my mom still tells me the story. She said like during class, um, you know, like every time he gets something done, he stands up and he walks around his table. He wants to make sure everybody at the table is good before oh. he turns his stuff in. Like he wants to help everybody around him. And not just himself. And sh- and the teacher said, you know, that's really rare for, like, somebody that age to be, like, displaying those characteristics. So mm-hmm. uh, it's really impressive to see your son doing that. And that's surprising that she said that, too, because I would imagine um, a lot of other students who came from your background, who went to, you know, from a small town in Mexico to a small town in Washington, um, like, they would also want to be good role models. But yeah. that didn't seem to be the case if she's saying that... Y- it's abnormal for somebody, especially at a young age to do that. So you're leading the way. And, and, um, I wanted to kind of tee this up to the next question, um, is what, I guess it it makes sense that you want to be a role model, right. To your younger brother, but what led you to education being that catalyst for you to, to really elevate, um, not only like uh, your family, but also yeah. like as, as the path forward that you needed to take in order to achieve what you wanted to achieve. I think just in my community, you know, in Othello, I think the biggest like role models to me were my teachers other than like my mom, you know, Okay. because like there, there was, just wasn't like a lot. Of, I mean, if you're in a small town, you know, for those people who don't know how big Othello is, it's about population's like less than 8,000 and it's grown a lot. Like when I was growing up, it was like 5,000. So it's, yeah. it's a super small town where like the people that I had access to, I'm sure there was a, a lot of smart people in Othello, a lot of successful people, but as a young immigrant kid, the, the successful people I had access to were my teachers. Mm. And so seeing them and talking to them and them seeing potential in me, they would always tell me, you're really smart. You know, you're really good at this. You're really good at this. You need to go to college. You need to go to college. I'd always hear that. Mm. I just kept hearing that. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to, do well in what I do. And that's kind of also like just a natural thing in me. Everything I do, I go a hundred percent because mm-hmm. if I'm not a hundred percent into something, why am I doing it? That's my mentality. Right. So when it was school, I was going a hundred percent on school. I wanted to get all the A's. I want to get all the pluses. I wanted to get the best grades. And sometimes I didn't even know why. Really? It's just because I was doing it. I wanted to be the best at it. And it's like a competitive thing too, almost to some extent, right? Like you yeah. want to be the best in terms of know sports in this case education and so it kind of motivates you yeah and what's crazy is for me it's not competition with others it's competition with myself it's I want to do well because I want to see myself succeed Mm -hmm. and my family right and so that's the biggest thing and I think another thing that kind of like builds on me being a leader is uh not having a a father figure back at home Mm -hmm. so I felt like I kind of had to fill that role for my family got it a lot of the time growing up and I think that you know that's kind of like a trauma thing right Mm -hmm. But I think that sometimes trauma, in my case, can build leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you put somebody in a very uh, adverse circumstance, they can either sink or swim. And mm-hmm. I think in that circumstance, I decided to swim, right? I had no yeah. choice. 
Yeah. And so I had to step up as a like like a, a leader in my household, and that's why I think I was able to translate those leadership skills in the school and then other areas of my life. Yeah, and especially too considering the fact that you were saying your mom was working so late, I imagine oftentimes like you'd be at home by yourself and be like, you know, I I'm the only like I'm the oldest man. I'm yeah. the oldest boy in in this house and I got to be the man of the house. And so yeah. you took it upon yourself to take that role on. 100%. Um, and so going from from, you know, like the what kind of translated your um success or your objective to I guess elevate your your livelihood or your um, career path like was there a teacher who you saw as a mentor that said hey you need to go to WSU or like what led you to WSU to to be that opportunity for you to continue your growth yeah I think for me it was um in high, so in high school, I knew I, I could go to college. I was like, I'll probably go to a community college. I don't think I could afford a university or, right. you know, anything like that. And it, it's funny because I used to want to go into psychology. Yeah. And uh, I took an AP psychology class in high school. And my teacher, Mr. Barber, shout out to Mr. Barber. He, uh, he noticed that I was getting straight A's on all of the exams because I was reading that book. It was like a big college book. And I was reading every chapter because I love psychology. I, yeah. I really wanted to learn about it. So I was getting good grades because I knew the material because I read it. So I, I would fall asleep in class, though, oh. because I was working full time. I was like 16 years old, working full time, not full time, but like I was working a lot of hours at Burger King. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was for to get money home, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, I mean, I didn't necessarily have to help like pay bills. I mean, I would help, but like it was to buy stuff for me because I didn't want to ask my mom for money. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, it she's was, supporting you know, your, your younger brother and the yeah, whole house too. Yeah. I wanted to have a car. I wanted to have gas money. I wanted to have nice clothes. And so I was like, well, I, I got to, you know, like I got to have nice clothes money. And yeah. There's only one way to do it, right? You got to go work. Mm-hmm. And so I got a job and I was working and I was showing up to school because I was working late hours. So sometimes I'd be working until 1 a.m., get home by two, take a shower, fall asleep by three, wake up at like 630 and go to school. Yeah. So I'd be really tired. I'd be falling asleep in class. And um, yeah, my teacher would, you know, he, he pulled me aside one day and he said, hey, Max, like, you know, I noticed like you fall asleep in class and but you have really good grades. Like you're really smart. You understand the material. He said, you know, what's going on at home? And I just oh. told him, hey, you know, honestly, like I'm I work full time. And mm-hmm. last night I worked until 1 a.m. and I'm really tired. I was like, but I don't want you to think like I was kind of scared. I was like, I don't want you to think like you're I'm disrespecting you or like oh, I'm yeah. slacking. Like I really like this class. Like this is the one class I, I love to come to school for because this is my passion. I love I love psychology. Yeah. And so then he said, you know, I, t- I explained the whole situation and he got personal with me. He told me like he was in a similar situation, single mom. He was working a lot. And so he knows kind of how that goes. He told me like he got deep, told me about a little bit about his like life story. And I related to him a lot. And then he told me, you know, there's resources like, you you know, what's your plan for college? You know, there's resources for you. You know, you're a really smart kid. Like, we need to get you the resources to get you out there because yeah. you need them. And like, you need, you're going to succeed if you get those resources. And, and were you like, did you, had you already considered college already at that point? Or was that something that like, uh, I might do, I might not. Exactly. Like okay. That. It was like in the back of my mind, like I knew I could make it into college, but it, it was the money thing. It's always been the money thing because, you know, single mom, four, four kids and, you know, making minimum wage. How is that going to pay for a university education? Right. And I didn't know about financial aid or anything like that. So 
Wow, man. Yeah, so once I learned about financial aid, student loans, everything, I said, oh, I can actually do this. All I have to do is have good grades and, you know, get in. I had the grades to get in to WSU, so I was like, let's just go. Let's yeah. go for it. It was between WSU and UW. I ended up cho- choosing WSU. I didn't even apply to UW because I didn't want to move to a city right away. Oh, I see. I, you wanted that, like, small-town community feel. Yeah, because I knew college was going to be a big, like, that's going to be a big change for me. Nobody in my family had really done it before, so I was yeah. like, I need to do one new thing first at a time, right? I don't want to do the city and the school and the expensiveness of the city and the more expensive school. Right. So I was like, I, I like WSU. There's a good education. And that's when I just, I decided to go into business too because I, I was going to go in psychology, mm-hmm. but um, I, I realized, did some research that in psychology, there's not really a whole lot of money to be made mm-hmm. unless you uh, get like a graduate degree and like you get kind of specialized and it's a you lot have to of continue time. the education. That's the biggest yeah. piece, right? And yeah. for me, like, you know, given my family circumstances, like I wanted to make money in four years. Right. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to be, uh, you know, able to at least help a little bit, at least, you know, provide a foundation for myself so that I can help in a, in a more near future than with psychology. Yeah. So sure. that's why I decided to go into business. Dude, shout out Mr. Barber, man. Like for real people <laughs> like that, man, make a big impact. Oh, for sure. Even if it's just asking that one question yeah. of like, Hey man, what's going on? Yeah. Like that, that really led to a lot of things that ended yeah. up leading you down this path. Yeah. And he's just one of the people, right? Not just Mr. Barber. Right. Like there's Miss Sorg. She was my, you know, like my homeroom teacher in, in, uh, call in high school. She really liked me. She always like would ask me questions that got me thinking about stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, Mr. Tate in middle school, there's a lot of people that I remember. And like I said, it was a a lot of the time it was my teachers because as someone who comes from, you know, like my background, you don't really have access. Like you don't have that uncle who started a business. You don't have that cousin's friend who runs, you know, this this school district or something. You don't really have those connections in your family. So yeah, you don't have anybody that says, oh yeah, man, you just need to do this, this and this. Oh yeah. And like, you can sign up for this scholarship and like get this finance. Like you don't have any of that. Like you got to figure that shit out yourself. Yeah. And that's not to say I didn't learn anything from my family members. Cause Mm -hmm. even though like pretty much nobody in my family went to school a lot, I learned a lot from them about work ethic Mm -hmm. and respect and things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. which made me like, I would say like a good person, Mm -hmm. but I just, I I didn't have those resources in order to kind of break out of like, um, what I was used to seeing growing up. And I mean, it's not to say like, you know, they couldn't have given you that, but it's like, they also lack that experience too. Right. And so they can't teach you anything that they don't know themselves. Right. And so that's, you take it upon yourself to make that decision to learn and grow and exceed where you know you came from so i want to i want to lead into uh wsu so you you went to wsu um had a goal of being in business um what was your degree what what did you pursue um and uh i guess we'll talk a little bit about how we met there too yeah 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 so i i ended up going into business administration finance Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the reason why I chose business is because in high school I had a pretty good, good group of friends and we were always kind of just messing around with stuff. We had a YouTube channel. We do like funny videos. We wanted to like monetize them. We started selling shirts. We started like a clothing brand. It was called culture lifestyle. Wow, we were like man. printing shirts. People were buying them like crazy. We just weren't really like that organized. So it didn't really take off, but I mean, people were supporting it. And then also like I was a rapper too in, in high yeah. school. That was like my way of expressing myself and having fun and kind of staying out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had music and stuff and like I was selling mixtapes in Dang. high school. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So like in the hallway, like your stereotypical dude, like I had the backpack on, this is like 20, 2012, 2013. Like 
I had yeah. the backpack on. And I remember one day, I think I was advertising it on Facebook. I was like, I'm going to go to, or maybe even my, MySpace might have been retired, maybe Twitter. And uh, I said, you know, I'm going to be at the Breezeway, which is Othello High School. You know what the Breezeway is. That's like where everybody <laughs> hangs out after school. I was like, I'm going to be at the Breezeway. I had like a few friends who were always like by my side, supporting me, helping me, you know, sell the mixtapes and stuff. I was like, you know, look for this guy, this guy or me. And yeah, I remember we showed up with like 100 mixtapes and I swear, like, uh, I think we left that day with only like 20, less than 20 mixtapes left. So wow. we sold like 80 in one day at $3 a piece, but people were giving five, $10. So like, I don't know, do the math, man. But I, as like, uh, as someone who was just like recording these songs in his closet, mixing them himself, like a lot of the time, uh, yeah, like th- these are my songs that like, mm-hmm. I wrote and like pretty much like did a, a lot of the editing for. There was a time when I had like somebody else help with mastering and stuff, but yeah, I think we made like a few hundred dollars like in a few minutes. And that type of support off really, of my music. yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's like really encouraging for somebody who took a risk on their own idea, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Just getting all that support, like, damn, like, dude, we almost sold out of all these mixtapes. Like, it 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 makes you want to continue to do that. And exactly. so that carried into college, right? Um, yeah, a little bit. So yeah, tell me more about that. So in college, like I was still rapping a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did sell mixtapes. Um, oh, you did it in college too? Yeah, I ended up joining a fraternity, right? Omega mm-hmm. Delta Phi. And one of the things we had to do for the fraternity um, in the in our pledge process was do a do, do a little dummy fundraiser, right? Let's mm-hmm. see how how these guys fundraise. And my you know my line, my class, six guys of us, Kai Clash out, Kai Clash. Um, we all uh, we decided like let's sell this guy's mixtapes. So I created a compilation tape. Like songs oh. I had made over the years and I just made a new cover and like, yeah, it was like super easy. We just like, we all kind of got together and we made them like we cut a piece of paper out and glued it like burned it, it onto a legit. CD. Yeah. Wow. And so then we, we sold, I think we sold about 50 at WSU. Wow. Yeah. Man. People who did it. That was different though, because this was literally us going up to people and pitching my CDs. Oh, like, gotcha. So they didn't know you. No, beforehand. they didn't know me. This at, at, in Othello High School, it was easier because it was people who knew me. Mm-hmm. I was announcing it the day before. People showed up with their money. Mm-hmm. This was me going up to people at the uh, the, the campus mall and at mm-hmm. the Cub and saying, hey, check out my mixtape. And this was at the time when people were, like, flaming people for doing that. They were really? like, oh, this is that check out my mixtape guy. I was like, I don't care, man. And, and I guess that yeah. just helped me own my story. It's like, this is me. This is what I do. Like, you can make memes about it. You can make jokes about it. But, like, I'm really doing it. You're just a person making jokes. You know, right. and at the end of the day, like we sold, we sold out pretty much. Yeah. Damn, man. All right. Wow. So it was man. cool. So you kept on doing your thing and eventually you graduated yep. uh, with your degree in business um, and moved to the big city. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated in May of 2018. Um, and yeah. yeah, so I've been out here ever since uh, working uh, finance. And I want to, I want to just briefly talk about what you've done since then. Cause I think it's really important just to just after we've talked about where you came from. Yeah. Um, and to where you're at now. So you graduated from college, college, got a big job with a big aerospace company in the yeah. Seattle area. Um, and you know, since getting that job, you, um, you've started this podcast, right? Yeah. Um, you continue to venture out and do different things. Uh, most notably like, you know, being a part of my brand, which I appreciate yeah, you man, for, bro. 100%. Um, and modeling for that. And then also, like, y- you've done, you know, you, you have your own condo now. Um, yeah. Like, you you really, like, elevated that type of 
experience for yourself just through all the hard work from day one, man, of your mom taking you from Urapan to to Washington. So I think the one thing I wanted to really kind of hone in on there is the fact that if you put your mind to it, man, like you can, you can do whatever you want to. You just have to be willing to grow and take the risk and do uncomfortable things. Cause Oh yeah. 100% man. And um, yeah, no, yeah. Thank yeah. you for, you know, highlighting that because yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's for sure been a journey. And um, cause I mean, it's not easy yeah. going from Othello to even WSU, man. It's yeah. like, that's also a growth stage. Yeah. You know, 100%. it's like, that taking that challenge of uh, risk, like going and and like taking the risk of higher education and and everything that comes with it financially, not knowing if you're going to graduate yeah. or not, if even if you try your hardest, like that is the that I mean that growth really needs to come from yourself. And so anybody who's uh, who's wanting to start something and and pursue their passions and and you know it doesn't have to be college. It can be starting your own business. It could be you know, moving from Othello to somewhere else, man, like you can, you can do everything that you want to, as long as you put effort and work hard for it, um, and grow and be like, be ready to be uncomfortable. Cause it's never easy when it comes to those types of challenges. So yeah, 100%. And you know, it's, it's like we said, it's been a journey and I, and I do want to touch on one thing too, mm-hmm. you know, because it sounds so easy to say, you know, just put your mind to it, grind, hustle, and you're going to make it. You know, I want to also emphasize the importance of finding a balance. Right. Because I think that I reached moments of burnout, especially in college. I think I reached, I thought I was at an all-time high in college because I was getting all these accolades. I was the president of the fraternity. Mm-hmm. I was I was about to leave for a job with Boeing. I was, you know, I, I was getting like 4.0s basically. I was, you know, I graduated with honors. Mm-hmm. I was, um, you know, I was wearing like a suit all the time because I was so involved with so many organizations and I was like, I, f- I felt like the guy, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I was burnt out. Yeah. So even though I was at an all-time high externally, internally, I was almost like at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. Because emotionally, I was burnt out. I wasn't very happy because I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. I was drinking a lot, especially mm-hmm. in college. I was, um, you know, I wasn't taking care of my mental health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is kind of a vulnerable thing to talk about, but I think it's important to touch on this because a lot of the time you see these successful people and you just see like the shell of them. You just see the highlights of their life. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to think that my life has been like this super perfect story of this guy coming from the bottom and like making it out and just it working out because I just, you know, put the pedal to the metal and was on a hundred all the time. Mm -hmm. I did do that. And I realized that's really not the most healthy thing. So one thing that I've been working on the past, you know, year, almost two years is just mental health, you know, taking a step back, realizing what things I need to cut out of my life, what things I need to increase in my life. And, you know, going, going to therapy, going to counseling, which is a very stigmatized thing, especially for, uh, you know, someone who's, who's a Latino male, a Mexican male, especially Mm -hmm. in that culture. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. it's frowned upon. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about that too. Like when in growing up in Mexican households, if you go to therapy, people think you're crazy. Yeah. They think Mm -hmm. you're weak. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if you're a male, if you're a man, right. You're a weak, Dude, you don't know how to handle yourself. Like, mm-hmm. just, just, you know, just handle it, right? Just deal with it. Yeah. That's not the way to do it. That's mm-hmm. not the way to do it. And I'll be the first one to tell you all that. So, um, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to touch on because I think it's really important to take care of yourself because it's only going to make you that much more powerful, right? It's right. only going to uh, add more to your toolkit and it's, it's going to allow you to stay consistent longer mm-hmm. because you can hit the pedal to the metal for a year, maybe two years, maybe three years. 
But that fourth, fifth year, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to start falling apart in your life. Yeah. I mean, you can't do it all, right? Like we were just talking to Jen Bumpus, our our guest on the previous episode, where, I mean, you have to find that balance. And therapy is one big tool for you to really, um, because when you think about it, and I did the analogy of the car, right? Like if you never change your oil in your car, at some point it's going to break. Yeah. And you have to do that maintenance. That's a good analogy, though. Not yeah. only on your on your car, but on yourself. Like you, yeah. I mean, even if you work out, like what are you doing mentally to work out and yeah. like improve there? And so, I mean, you bring up a good point, man. Because I mean, especially now, after this pandemic, everybody's stressed. Everybody oh, yeah. has been going through something, and so understanding the importance of mental health. Um, and you know, knowing that there's an answer out there, man, like you yeah. just have to be willing to look for it and uh, go through the, the exercises. Yeah. So oh, yeah, you bring yeah. up a good point, man. Yeah. Um, I wanted to quickly go back on a lighthearted note, yeah. go back to the, um, to the, to the rap career that you yeah, had, man, I was a whole <laughs> rapper. <laughs> so when we, uh, when we first met, I mentioned that we met at WSU. Um, I, at the time I was in my last year, I was in grad school when he was in there. Um, and one of the things that really intrigued me about him as an individual is the fact that he did, he did things differently than anybody else that I knew. Um, and so one of those things was obviously being a rapper. And uh, I just wanted to go through, um, if we flip over, so here's, obviously here's Max, you can find him uh, on Instagram, Maximiliano P. Um, but this has nothing about your raps, bro. Yeah, so. <laughs> nah, it's not my brand anymore, you know, but. Um, but here's, I mean, dude, you actually came out with some good content back in the day. Hey, thank you. Shout out to my homie Tony who who uh, filmed this video right here, Fly. Fly. So this is one of your songs that you put out when you were at WSU. I think you filmed this at WSU, right? Yeah, uh, this one was actually filmed in Othello. Oh, This I specific see. video, yeah. Gotcha. But this was during when you were going. When I was at WSU. Yeah, this was winter break. This is how I spent my winter break. And how old were you on this? I believe I was 20 years old on this one. 20 years old, man. Trying to make. About five years ago. Yeah. Make shit happen, dude. This and I was I was pointing this out because this like the, the music video aspect. It was done really well, man. And so, like, you were putting out good content. Yeah, this thing no, almost has 10,000 views, 7.8 Yeah, views, man. I, that's one thing, like, I got to give it to the people who support me, man. Like, it's crazy how many people support me. Like, for everybody who's watching this, y'all are probably have been part of my journey since way back then. I just want to give y'all a huge thank you because it's crazy how, like, and you this know, is still going, numbers, bro. right? Yeah. yeah. Like, people have really been supporting since day one. Like, whether it's a podcast I'm doing, music, uh, you know, uh, whatever I push, you know, people support it, and, yeah. and I'm really thankful for that. That's awesome, bro. Do you still get um? Do you still get DMs from people being like, "Hey, man, when are you gonna put out a next album?" I used to get a lot, you know, over the last few years. I think it's kind of died down. I think people have seen like that I'm kind of rebranding to like more podcasting. I'm not really trying to do music anymore. Yeah. So people have kind of realized that and they're respecting it. But yeah, I used to get that all the time, and I That's- used to think about it a lot, but. You know, I think I think for me it's crazy, but a lot of my inspiration for my raps was being in Othello. Like, mm. I didn't really have a lot to do, and it just—I don't know—I wasn't as busy. Yeah. So I had a lot of space for creativity, mm. and that's yeah. where a lot of my creativity came from. Once I went to college, I took on a lot of responsibility. I mentioned being burnt out. Right. It's hard to be creative when you're burnt out. 
mm-hmm. because you're just so stressed out. And so I think that that's when like my creativity started to go down in college. Yeah. And now like I work a job, you know, you know how that goes. Yeah, man. It's like you tough. grow out of it. You can't go bit. to your nine to five yeah. and then start writing raps at six, you know, like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you could, but it's just not what I want to do. No. Yeah. 100% yeah. because that's not something I could do. So yeah. if you do that, props to you, you know, but. But yeah, no, yeah. it's not for everybody, man. And uh, you realize that early on, but I just wanted yeah. to give you a shout out too. this one came out about a year earlier, right? Uh, yeah, this one, I was about uh, 19 years old. I think, oh no, I was 18. You were 18 years old I when this I was 18 out. in this video. Damn, man. Sir. So good quality too. I mean, check it out, man. Uh, Max, this actually has the most views of any video that you have. 8.2K. Yeah, 8. 8.2k that's crazy man man. you gotta monetize this bro yeah (laughs) i think tony does have it monetized i hope he does yeah because man he put in work shout out to tony he's been one of my one of my really good friends who's always believed in me so yeah hey shout out that's important you know hey man to have people who believe in you for real for real yeah man i just wanted uh i just want to end it on there man hey thank you for coming through and thank you for for being a part of this podcast man i know it's um it's uncomfortable being in the guest seat Hey, and it's exciting. Honestly, it exciting now too. I know how it feels. Like when people are here for future episodes, I know how y'all feel. Like it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. I like it. All right, yeah, man. Thanks well, for having me. Absolutely. And uh, we're the Untapped Potential Podcast. You can check out Max uh, in the description below um, and stay tuned for next episodes. Uh, please subscribe to our channel, like the video, and we'll come out with more every Monday. Thank you.